Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Wow. Amen. Come on, lift your hands. Lord, I'm asking your people to hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated, if you can. If you cannot, do not. All right, we're talking about tongues. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about uh, um, you know, something that to the world can be a little bit controversial. Again, I don't believe it should be controversial in the church, but that's okay, too, um, to discuss it in those in those. Uh, terms, I don't think it should be controversial the way I understand the Bible and the way I have experienced uh, his presence in those ways. But I just wanted to take a minute. I know we're kind of getting into this Wednesday nights. You know, it's a very, uh, it's very Bible heavy, you know, on purpose. Sunday mornings are too, by the way. Um, but Wednesday nights are very Bible heavy. So I was just curious if you had a question in any of those areas, uh, just lift your hand. I'm going to ask Jake to come over close to you. If you had a question in any one of those areas, just lift your hand. We'll have Jake come over with a microphone. If not, I'm going to get right into the word. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I've never spoken in this. Okay. All right. So when Paul teaches in first Corinthians 14, uh, so you know the controversy or whatnot, uh, what, how do you balance in like doing it in order? but then also building your spirit up, how he talks about it being in order in the church, and then what also talks about building yourself up yeah. personally with that. That's a great question. So I'm going to reword your question. You nod your head at me if, if it's what you said. So the Bible talks about doing everything in order, right? But it also talks about not forbidding people to speak in, in tongues and to build yourself up because the Bible says in First Corinthians, it also says in the book of Jude that we build ourselves up. Uh, as we speak in tongues. So there's some kind of a, a, a balance there that we should try to find to strike. So how do you find that balance between I want to be in order, but I also want to build myself up? Is that an accurate way to say it? So, and also like where he references having an interpreter. Uh, yep. So when are those, when are those required? Beautiful, beautiful question. So she's also talking about an interpreter. So now we have almost like two questions, okay? The, the, the first question is like the order scenario. And the second question is, you know, the interpretation. So um, first off, the Bible talks about, uh, right there, as a matter of fact, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about whenever uh, we're in a group setting like this, it would be more beneficial to everyone there if we would prophesy as opposed to just speaking in other tongues. Because when I speak in other tongues, uh, my spirit is praying in line through the spirit with the spirit and myself is profiting from that. I am benefiting from that. Matter of fact, the scripture says my, my, myself himself is edified. But when I prophesy, whoever is in the room, they are edified. So uh, the same way that prophecy benefits the people, if it were, tongues with an interpretation benefits the people, okay? So think about this. If we need 10 cents, you can have a dime or two nickels. I believe Kenneth Hagin actually gave this example. You can have a dime or two nickels. A dime is 10 cents, and that would be like prophecy, right? 
But if we're talking to other people, if we wanted it to have the same effect, you would need tongues, one nickel, and interpretation, the other nickel. Both of them add up to a dime, but if you only have one, you're not there. You see what I'm saying? So when you're prophesying, it should benefit who is hearing it, okay? When you're praying in tongues from a standpoint of Acts chapter number 2, Acts chapter number 10 with Cornelius, Acts chapter number 19, um, Jude uh, verse 20, when you're praying in tongues from that standpoint, that is uh, a, a, a prayer language, a heavenly language given by God as a gift to every believer as an evidence and a tool for somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are giving a tongue with an interpretation, it is just like prophecy, okay? It is just like the prophetic. So uh, what, what he's saying there is if you do give a tongue, you need to pray that somebody interprets. So it wouldn't value you to come here and hear me talk and speak in tongues for 30 minutes without an interpretation because my spirit would look like Hulk Hogan or well, let's not use Hulk Hogan. I don't know what he's done lately. My, my spirit would, would look like the Incredible Hulk. Well, I can't use him either. I don't care. My spirit would be very strong. But your understanding and my understanding, if there's not an interpretation, would not be, would not be edified, okay? Would not be built up. So whenever there's a, a setting like this and it's going to be orated for the people, then there needs to be an interpretation. If you're in the room and you're praying in tongues and you're not disrupting somebody around you, and when I say disrupting, I don't mean the person next to you uh, has to be completely comfortable with somebody praying in tongues. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're not standing out. And and most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time when somebody is, there's a level of intent there where they're trying to be heard. I don't mean this disrespectful to anybody who's ever, you know, you know, been really, really loud. I'm a very loud person at times too. But what you're really looking for with regards to order is the spirit behind it, right? And that ties back into all these gifts of the spirit work together, okay? And one of them is discernment. And so as a pastor, as, as, as a lead point in a moment like this, in a, in a corporate environment, I'm the one who has to answer to God. So I'm relying on God to help me discern, hey, is this something that we should chase? Or is this something that, you know, is this, you know, going to be a little bit disruptive or a lot of bit disruptive? Because again, the spirit poured out in Acts chapter 2, when everybody was in one mind and one accord. In other words, when we sound like a choir, everybody understands what we're saying. But if you decide to sing Great Is Thy Faithfulness, beautiful song, and you decide to sing Oh the Blood, also a beautiful song, you decide to sing We Rise Up, we're all singing, but nobody has a clue what's happening. Does this make sense? So all these things kind of work together. But from a standpoint of praying in tongues in a corporate setting, you know, I pray in tongues all day long. I pray in tongues when I'm talking to somebody, when I'm not talking to somebody, you know, and so in an environment like this, you know, I've spent my life uh, sitting on a pew just like that, you know, on the edge of my seat, taking notes while the minister's teaching, praying in tongues the entire time, and probably nobody around me knew I was doing it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying it has to be that quiet. I'm just saying it's possible to be that quiet. So, um... Did we circle back around and answer some of your questions? Y'all give her a hand. That's a great question. Anybody else have a question on the things of the Holy Spirit uh, in any um, scenario?
Yes, so ma'am. I, I grew up UPC Pentecostal. So yes, ma'am. But if you can't speak in tongues, does that mean you're going to hell? Okay, so the question was, if you cannot speak in tongues, are you going to hell? So let me, let me I'm going to ask you a question. So this is a lot of times what the Lord would do, right? He would be asked the question, and he would ask a question back. And so I would just say this. When, when Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the dead three days later, he paid the price for our sins. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he's Lord, then you're saved. So when the disciples met Jesus after he rose from the dead and he showed himself in the upper room, uh, uh, Peter was there, then Thomas, you know, he wasn't there at the start and he was there a different time. He stuck his hand, finger in his hand, all this other stuff. Soon as they believed that he had risen from the dead, they were in a saved condition. However, they did not speak in other tongues for about 40, but for about 50 days after that, at the day of Pentecost, right? So they were 100% saved and they were 100% saved and did not speak in tongues. Secondly, in Acts chapter number 19, the Bible says that they were at, uh, I believe it was Ephesus. Paul was there. And he says, he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So a, a saved person is a believer. So they clearly believed in and on Jesus. Therefore, they were in a saved condition, yet they had not received the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he laid hands on them. I believe it's around verse 6. He laid hands on them, and they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. So to put it very, very short, uh, if the disciples were saved before Acts chapter 2, which they were, then yes, they would have gone to heaven. And anybody that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ as uh, the Son of God, crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, sit at the right hand of the Father. They are born again. And if they do not speak in tongues, it does not mean they're not saved. It does not mean they're not going to heaven. It just means there is another baptism that the disciples spoke of all through the book of Acts, all through the letters to Corinth, all through the book of Jude and other places. So, uh, yes, if somebody is born again, they are on the way to heaven. And if they do not speak in tongues, I personally believe that they should pursue that infilling, but not from a stressful position. Um, they had the disciples that had to wait in the upper room for 10 days from when Jesus ascended. So a lot of times, especially in our culture, we're kind of a fast food mentality. I mean, like Chick-fil-A, so it's like holy fast food. But we want to order it, right? And then we want to pick it up and we want it hot and fresh and we're frustrated if it's not you know, exactly right. But... That's not how the kingdom works. The Bible says those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So if somebody doesn't have the gift of speaking in tongues yet, uh, hasn't been filled with the Spirit according to that understanding, then I believe they should pursue that uh, and not give up on that promise until they receive the fullness of that promise, exactly like the disciples did. And I'll just say one other thing, because I feel like I've answered like a hundred million words in this one question. But um, there was, I believe it was over 500 people that saw Jesus ascend, but there was only 120 in the upper room. So there is a weeding out process that happens as well, where people that are willing to wait until the, the, the manifestation of the promise as opposed to people who are willing to wait until they get tired of waiting. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Y'all give her a big hand. That's a great question. 
And that's a scary thing to, to grow up and be told that, but it's not true. You know, you, you do not have to speak in tongues to be saved. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Say that again. So the purpose of, of, of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to lead us to power. That's right. And so I, I you know, I was sim- raised similar to her, like her. You know, we heard that kind of thing all the time that if you didn't receive the baptism. And I come to find out, you know, as I, we started searching God more, was that the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to endue us with power. Yeah. So that we would learn how to live a victorious life. Yep. Amen. So that made my understanding. Yeah. I realized then that some that have not accepted, have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit might struggle in some sense. Yeah. And sometimes they're struggling. And it's not that they don't know the Lord. They're not going to heaven. They're going to heaven. Yeah. They love the Lord. But when they finally surrender themselves and receive this baptism, there is an empowering that comes on that yeah. gives you so much more victory. Would that be correct? That is correct. Uh, uh, John is, is a phenomenal minister, as, as many of you well know. Um, but, yeah, that's the way I understand the Scripture, and that's my experience as well, is the Holy Spirit is a, it is a power element added to the believer. And in the Old Testament, like, think about Samson, right? The Holy Spirit would come upon him, and this great strength would come on him. And, and the Holy Spirit would come upon different people and they would begin to prophesy. But only after Jesus cleaned us with his own blood are we now clean enough vessels to not just be something the Spirit can come and rest upon, but rather reside on the inside of. So now we don't have to wait for this power to come upon us. This power is in us and for us. So we have this, this strength that we did not have. I always love to give the example of Peter, who he literally was not brave enough or strong enough to stand up for Jesus the day that Jesus was about to be killed. He denied knowing him three times. But the minute or the day that he got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he was the first person to stand up. And he stood up in a very hostile environment. They were saying, all these people must be drunk. They must be crazy. And Peter stood up and he said, no, this is that. And he made a reference to some prophecy in the book of Joel, chapter number two, where it talked about the spirit of God being poured out on all flesh. And so he said, this is that. This is what you're seeing happening right now. So the only delineation in Peter's life between whenever he, whenever he denied Jesus and whenever he stood up for Jesus was he had been cleaned and he had been filled at that time. And once he had the... Now, even, even after he was saved, they were hiding out. But now they got... They were in the upper room and now all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes inside of them. Now they spill into the streets. So there's an element of boldness. So I would say this, especially if you have a, a vice that you keep going back to, a sin that keeps drawing you back to it. Before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, my life was a yo-yo. I would be very hot for God, and then, man, it wasn't like I wanted to, but I would just drift back into a bunch of nonsense. And, and I, got the baptiz- I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, I felt like, and I, I don't even want to say I felt like, it's, it's just the truth. It is the truth of how it, has, it, it or he has been with me. I have had the power since then to not do things that I didn't want to do in the first place. 
Some people sin and they want to do it. Other people, you know, you just, you just draw them back to it. You know, like a dog to its vomit. It's just the way it is. But when you get the power of the Holy Spirit, now you're not walking around, you know, without fire and vigor that is clearly deposited in that impartation. In Jesus' name. Thank you, John. Y'all give John a big hand. Anyone else? Got one right here. Um, is there ever a scenario where when speaking in tongues, it should be forbidden? Or um, because they say the Bible says where it's like a, for unbelievers, you know, it, it, it's a sign to unbelievers that they'll believe when you speak in tongues. So why would some people not allow you to speak in tongues? Or, you know, like some churches, they don't want you to speak in tongues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll just say two things, I think. Um, first off, you know, the Bible also says if all we do is speak in tongues, then they're going to think we're all nuts, right? Now, granted, we kind of are. I mean, we're peculiar. We're not, we're not like the world. I don't want to be like the world. I don't care. You know, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to. So, so on that side of it, there, there's an element of it. But it says, instead of just speaking in tongues, you know, rather that you would prophesy so that you could lay their heart bare so that you could tell them. And, and okay, so let me talk to this for just a second too. New Testament prophecy is for exhortation and edification. Everybody say Edification. 1 Corinthians 14, I believe chapter number, uh, verse number four, it might be six, but it's right in there. It talks about when I pray in an unknown tongue, I'm edifying myself, okay? Edifying is where we get the word edifice from. Edifice is, is the same, it, is, it can be used for a word like a big building, particularly a, a building that's like overshadowing something, like a strong building. And it's also the word for a complex set of belief or values, okay? So that means when I am praying in tongues, I'm building myself up. It does not say I'm building my spirit up. My spirit is actually in congruence with God right now. It's reborn right now. It loves God. It loves, the, it loves the things of God. It loves the Bible. But when I pray in tongues, I'm building myself up and I am edified. I become stronger by faith and spiritually. I become taller and more imposing. Wouldn't it be nice if I could just be like naturally taller too? Praise the Lord. But, oh well. But also it helps to develop that complex set of virtuous beliefs that a Christian should have. So now... I'm not leaning on my own understanding. My spirit has been praying the perfect will of God all day long. And now I've got this complex, almost like, like if you had a, a rubber band ball and you said, give me the one in the middle, you'd have to take off a hundred of them or a thousand of them before you could ever get to it. That's how you want your, 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 yourself to be built up. You want to be so strong that if one rubber band breaks, you've got a thousand other ones in this complex edifice of beliefs that say, I'll never leave my God. So whenever you pray in tongues, you are edifying yourself. Now, whenever you're just speaking in tongues, like if we were all just speaking in tongues, we did a lot of it Sunday morning. If we were all just speaking in tongues, then if somebody came in here off the street, they go, these people are lunatics. Potentially, they say these people are lunatics and they could leave if somebody didn't give them some, some information. 
But if they walked in and somebody said, hey, I can see you're really going through some stuff. Matter of fact, it looks like you have addiction in your life. It looks like this. And God has revealed something to you and you prophesy to them. Now they are edified. And the difference, the, the entire thing kind of swings on its head. Now the benefit is for them as we prophesy to them, their heart is laid bare and they will declare that, that actually God is among you or God is in you. And that is a beautiful, powerful thing. Uh, but speaking in tongues kind of does that for you. You just don't always understand what's happening. Now, the second thing you said was you were talking about uh, what about people who forbid it? Why do some churches forbid it and things like that? Um, I would say uh, there's a thousand answers to that question. So uh, for, for me, I try not to focus on why somebody else does or doesn't do a thing because, I, number one, I don't care. Number two, um, um, like usually they are prepared for that argument. You see what I'm saying? And I'm not here to argue. I'm here to quote this book. I'm here to say what it says. And then if, again, if, if somebody has ought with the book, I can't help you. Like if somebody, if somebody, no, I just don't believe that. Okay. I mean, I, I, I had a, you know, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, matter of fact, and he was coming to our church when we were in the movie theater and he was, you know, every week, man, love your church, love your church, love your church, love your church, love your church. So good. Oh my God, my life is so good. And then, you know, something happened. Somebody spoke in tongues. Uh, probably me, uh, and, and the next day he called me. He's like, yeah, man, I love the church. You know, I just, I, I was really enjoying it, but I just, I, you know, I just don't, I'm not into that tongues thing. I said, okay, so what other part of the Bible you want to tear out? And he's like, well, I'm just saying, you know, for me, I said, well, I mean, did you have your own? Did you write your own Bible? I said, how do you get to dictate what, 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 what God's word says? And he goes, well, I don't know that much about the Bible. I said, then you're unqualified to have this conversation. If I need a building drawn, you need to be an architect. If I got a leaky pipe, I need a plumber. I don't call an electrician for the leaky pipe. So again, it's one of those kind of things where when you come in an environment like this, there's also a significant understanding of authority. And, and I don't mean this any kind of way, but you've got to submit yourself to spiritual authority because if you walk into a place like this and just act like you know everything, you're going to walk out of here knowing what you know. But if you walk in this place and say, he is young, he is handsome, and I don't know why he's got those holes in his pants, but I'm going to listen to that, brother. <laughs> You're going to get something. Because when I'm up here, the anointing of God hits. And when we bring people up here to speak, they're talking from the word of God. The anointing hits. And, and literally, you can have something deposited in you. But if you decide what you don't believe before you actually read the book. That's exactly where Saul was who became Paul. He had scales on his eyes. And so many times we put those scales on our eyes. Who was here Sunday morning? All right, we prayed in tongues, I don't know, for a long time Sunday morning. And let me speak to that for a minute too because number one, I had, I had taught on tongues for a half an hour. So that means nobody in the room did not know what we were talking about. Does that make sense? So it wasn't like all of us were just walked into Kroger and said, let's get in a big pile. Let's all speak in tongues for 10 minutes. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just telling you, that's not what we did Sunday morning. Everybody had been taught. Everybody had heard the word of God. Now, when you hear the word of God, there ought to be an opportunity to demonstrate what the word of God says. That's one. 
The second thing is nobody had the, the excuse of ignorance in that moment. Furthermore, and I'm bringing it back to your question about churches, okay? I'm not here to talk about churches and why they do things, why they don't do things. I think there's great people in every church, I'm sure. But if, if you're going down the road, okay, say you have a pathway and there's a ditch on, on either side, right? And, and when you're driving, there are little subtle adjustments that keep you in the middle of the road. And as long as you are focused on where you're going, a lot of times you don't even recognize the adjustments. You're just driving. But the minute you look at your cell phone or you stare at, you know, the horse in the pasture or whatever, and your eyes are no longer focused on where you want to go, you can begin to drift. And if you drift far enough, and if you come back in time, you can make an adjustment and get right back. But if you ever find yourself in the ditch, whatever side of the road it is, the same adjustment that you would use in the middle of the road will not get you out of the ditch. So sometimes you just got to grab the wheel, stomp the gas, and turn the thing as hard as you can and say, I'm not letting up till I get out of this doggone ditch. So for New Heights Church, the season we're in, and I personally believe the season the body of Christ is in, God is wanting to pour out his spirit on people and churches that are willing to say, I don't care. Now, I don't think we're in a ditch in the area of spirituality, but at the exact same time, I don't think the church globally is in the position to make a minor adjustment and get back in the things of God when it comes to spiritual matters. I think we need to snatch the wheel, jerk it back to the middle and say, we're going to love people. We're going to honor people. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to believe the Bible. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. So the adjustments that are needed in the middle of the road are very different than where I personally think the church globally is right now. I think we need a get out of the ditch. I think we actually need a tow rope. I think, I need, I think the church as a whole needs that. But give her a hand. Those are great questions. Any other questions? couple of more. Got one here, one there. Great. Okay. I've, I've been taught all of my life that yeah. when you get saved, the Father said, Ron, can I get a water over Spirit, there? come in. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but. Thank you, brother. My question is, be, be, does that, then that makes me the candidate to receive the gift of speaking in tongues. It's, it, the Holy Spirit is there because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. Yeah. And so. If that's the case, then I'm then a candidate to receive the gift. Yeah. Like it's the icing on the cake. It's like yeah. another part of God that's accessible. But, but yeah. you know, a lot of people don't, they don't move in that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of not churches, yeah. people don't move in that. And, yeah. and I think it's, isn't, it is a, a free will thing. Yeah. To free will to do that. Is that, is yeah, so what I, what I heard you ask is, you know, A, what makes us a candidate? You know, how are we a candidate? And then B, you know, when, when somebody doesn't operate in it, what does that mean from a church standpoint? Is that kind of what yeah, you're asking? Yeah. Okay, so first off, everybody that's born again is a candidate. So you can't, you can't have something clean in you if you're dirty on the inside. 
And the Bible says that you wash the pot on the inside before you wash the outside. So the blood of Jesus washes us clean of all of our sins and all of our iniquities. Therefore, we can now be housing for the Holy Spirit exactly how Adam was housing for the Holy Spirit when God formed him from the dust of the earth and then breathed out of his nostrils into him. Therefore, every person that's born again is a candidate. However, demons and evil spirits look to oppress, look to possess, and look to control. The Holy Spirit looks to fill to guide and to empower. And so the the demons and the evil spirits of this world that are just running roughshod all over society because society wants to tell you to believe that there's a ghost in a house on the Discovery Channel, but they don't want you to believe that there's a demon that actually is is uh, instigating something through the hands of, of a person, which is very common in society today. But those are the spirits that try to radically invade you. The Holy Spirit is God and God at his very epicenter is love. So he will fill you. He is willing to do it. But you, just like Jesus said for himself, you have to, he knocks, behold, I stand at the door and knock, but whoever lets me in, I will come in and dine with them. In other words, you have to open the door for the Holy. I've never seen anybody filled with the Holy Spirit that didn't want to be. You have to do it. Matter of fact, the Bible says that that we ought to uh, desire spiritual gifts. And so to your second question, it is a spiritual gift. A gift is something you don't earn. So you had to learn your ABCs. You earned your way through the alphabet. You don't earn tongues. It is a gift that is given to you for the purpose of edifying yourself for the purpose of praising God well, for the purpose of praying out mysteries. One translation says you actually pray God's secrets. So it's also for the purpose of building up your most holy faith. Uh, uh, but all these things are connected as a gift, meaning you, 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 you didn't have it today and then, then you didn't have it yesterday, now you have it today. And a gift has something very important attached to it. It should make you appreciate the giver of the gift. So if you're constantly putting me off by bragging about your gift, it doesn't make me love the one who gave it to you. Because at the epicenter of a gift, that means you didn't earn it. It means it was given to you. And it's given for the benefit of you and for the benefit of others. Now, for with regards to operation in churches... I've been in church my whole life. I was raised in a, in a Methodist church, and Methodist doctrine, you know, is formulated primarily uh, by John Wesley. John Wesley was, um, uh, by all historical references, a tongue-talking believer. Um, my experience with the Methodist church, uh, and I, I have great friends that are Methodist, and I had a great time, you know, being raised Methodist, and, you know, they, they taught me a lot about God, but I was never in a service where there was any element of operation, in the spirit, I was never, uh, with regards to the gifts of the spirit, specifically we're talking about tongues. I never saw that. So the, the kind of the, 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 the relevancy was uh, we believe in it, we just don't teach it type thing. And, um, you know, so I, I say this, we, we just don't teach it, we don't do it. I say you do what you believe. That's what I think. The Bible talks about in James chapter number one to not just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer also. Now, the challenge and a reason a lot of people don't operate is a lot of times people, A, they haven't experienced it, right? Um, um, 
also, it's very possible that somebody has told them that they have very much respect that, that, it's, that it doesn't work or doesn't happen anymore. And so they, they respect this person that said that to him. So it just continues to perpetuate. Uh, secondly, uh, to the very first question we had, people get really concerned about order. You know, they get concerned about losing order. What about we just you know, starts talking jabberwocky and we lose the whole thing? And what if they dance and shout? And, oh, my gosh, you know. And, and I, I mean, I don't think that's something to not think about. I mean, you got to think about it on some levels. But I would rather have wildfire than no fire. Personally. Now, now uh, also, a lot of people don't operate or, or don't, don't teach in these areas because they don't have a, a lot of information or knowledge on it or, or a lot of experience with it. So you, you remember when you were in school and they taught you how to do stuff? And then you got out and started doing it and you really learned how? <laughs> so a lot of times, a lot of people in the ministry are very, uh, they're very sound when it comes to uh, doctrine or at least sound in what somebody told them doctrine is. Um, um, but at the same time, they might not have a bunch of experience. Well, once you have an experience, you can't pry it out of somebody with a crowbar. Once the hand of God moves in your life, once you begin to speak in other tongues, nobody can convince you otherwise. Once the Holy Spirit hits you or once somebody prophesies to you and your whole heart's laid bare, you can't walk around and act normal anymore. Now, if you, if, you just, if you just put it out of your mind and keep going, you'll drift back to whatever station you were in before. But at the end of it, a lot of people don't operate in these things because they don't understand them. It does take a significant amount of confidence because the other side of it is when you operate in the things of the Spirit, there's always going to be an element of faith. And faith always has to have an element of the unknown. So like when I'm prophesying, it's like I see sentences with gaps and they only fill in when I start talking. That's how it works for me. So sometimes I literally see words like over somebody's head. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I'll see like three words and I know there's something in the middle, but I don't see the thing in the middle until I say the first word. Because there has to be an element of faith. Because without faith, listen, it's impossible to please God, right? But, but if you believe, all things are possible, Right? So now you put yourself in a completely different scenario. So the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, they are relegated a lot of times uh, to uh, different scenarios. And then uh, let me just say one more thing. I don't know if I've probably answered 12 questions instead of the one you asked. But the other side of this thing is like all of this in spirit and truth. True worshipers. We worship. This is worship. Sitting here having this conversation is worship, Okay. We worship in spirit and truth, okay? So if all you do is talk truth and you have no spirit, you'll have information and no passion. If all you do is get in the spirit, but, but, but you don't have any truth, you don't have foundation, you just, every single service, you walk out and say, well, we were going to teach the word today, but boy, God just took over and yip, 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 and then we walk out then you're going to walk out and you're going to have had a good time. But the problem is your faith will not be at a different level because faith comes by hearing and it comes by hearing something specific, hearing the word of God. So you can't let the spirit be the, the you can't let the spirit be the only thing that your church is about or you'll have, or you'll have, you know, basically a bunch of crazy. You can't let only truth be the thing that your church is about because you'll have no grace. 
You'll get so hard and so rigid because I know this and I know that and I pulled myself up out of my bootstraps and they ought to be able to pull themselves out of their bootstraps. Well, Cletus, some people don't have bootstraps. And that's what the Spirit of God's for, for people like me. They just, they just need a little extra help. Come on, somebody. So then you get in this tension, and, and again, back, back to the pathway there. Now you're in between the spirit and truth, and that's what helps us get down the road. That's what helps us get down the road a little bit more uh, effectively. But, you know, a lot of people, too, avoid it because they were in an environment where maybe the young lady back here was talking about where somebody said, if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. That's absolutely ridiculous. And, and that's, 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 that's probably there was a lot of spiritual things going on. But that, the truth wasn't applied there. And then other people come from a, you know, just a staunchly dogmatic, uh, radical, uh, uh, hardline teaching element that never let them know of the love and the beauty and the joy and the peace and the hope and all the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit is. Never let them know of this. And so it's like sooner or later, you know, you say a cuss word and you don't get struck by lightning. And now all of a sudden you wonder, well, what else could I do? And I don't die immediately. <laughs> Is this too real for church? No, no, I mean, th- these are some of the things that happen. So you end up, you end up getting there. And, and as soon as you start getting a brain and you, you know, you maybe stick your toe out a little bit, you find out, hey, you know, like, like God's not the, the, the grim reaper that, you know, that, that's trying to get you every day. It's exactly the contrary, as a matter of fact. But as soon as that happens, now all of a sudden, this area where it was just so hard line no longer can, can hold you, if it were. So a lot of people don't because there's, there, there's an imbalance there. So one of the things New Heights Church seeks to do is to find that tension between spirit and truth. I think about a guitar string. You know, a guitar string laying on, the, laying on the stage does nothing. It has to be pulled in two directions to the, to a, until it's just right. And if you, if you pull too hard in either direction, it breaks. And if you don't pull enough, it's worthless. So we're trying to be in that tension between spirit and truth where we don't lose our passion. We don't lose our love affair. We don't lose our, our, the fact that we are enamored with him. But then we are also disciplined and we want to know, what does your book say? Am I asking you a question in the spirit uh, when I'm over here in this realm that you've already answered in black and red words in a book? It's attention. Does that make sense? Y'all give Sally a big hand too. Anybody else have a question? Praise the Lord. Pastor, thank you for doing this. Um, So I have friends who are in certain denominations. They believe that Pentecost came and went and with the apostles um, so went the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They believed the word as, as much as that. And they used the scripture um, in Ephesians 4, 5 that says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. They say there's only one baptism. How would you answer that? Well, uh, whenever, um, whenever in Acts chapter number 19, whenever Paul was talking to them at Ephesus, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they referenced that they had been baptized. And he says, unto what baptism? And they said, unto, I think it was unto John. And he said, so you've been baptized unto repentance. He said, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or he laid hands on them in verse 
uh, verse number six, and, he, and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and prosper. So there's two baptisms right there. Secondly, uh, Jesus, who was baptized by John, and, and clearly we can assume that the disciples were doing everything else Jesus was doing. There were all these other disciples getting baptized by John. And then one of the last things he says to them on the planet is you need to be uh, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit because that baptism's going to come. Secondly, the guy, John the Baptist, who actually was doing that first baptism, who baptized in water, he actually said, uh, there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So that's two baptisms. Uh, that's at least two baptisms right there. And there's also other places that people hang up on baptized in Jesus' name versus baptized in the, Father, Son, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, both of those can be points of contention. I personally just try to see them as not points of contention. There's also another verse that's used sometime where it talks about when that which is perfect is come. Um, and I can't remember exactly where that verse is off the top of my head. If anybody knows it, you're welcome to shout it out. But uh, the, it, I, a lot of people uh, reference the Bible as that perfect thing, like the word of God written being that perfect thing. I don't believe that. I believe that whenever Jesus comes back and, and, and we, the church, who before that happens, there's going to be a trumpet sound, those dead in Christ will rise and we who are alive will be caught up uh, together to meet him in the sky because there's, then there's going to be a time when we're actually back on earth for a thousand year uh, reign with Jesus and there'll be peace all over the earth and there'll be no need in tongues. Like when you get in heaven, what do you need, what do you need tongues for? Like there's no sickness, there's no disease, he wipes every tear from your eye. You know, you're not going to lose sleep in heaven. You know, there's not, none of those things happen in heaven. So, so when those things, when that element of perfection hits, then I believe that the gifts, the gifts of healing, what do you need healing for if everybody's healthy, right? Like what's the point of having gifts that, that, that help our unbelief when up there we will have no unbelief? So, so that's kind of how I, I don't want to use the word combat those things, but that's how I just, I just put them to bed. And then lastly, I would just say to that, I would say, I understand your point. I understand your, your position, but, but I have experienced this. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, like, I do pray in tongues. I have seen people healed. Like, my son, like, and this is me talking. So this would be like my testimony. My son was blind, and now he's not. Freaking deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't, and usually that's people who are, they love God. They're born again. They've been serving God for a long time. And you got to understand, most of them have heard that taught from the time they were little, yeah. in Sunday school and all this. And they were told that Pentecostals were crazy. Yeah. You know, that's what people say. That's what, that's what people in denominations that don't like Pentecost, that's what they say. They say radical, you know, charismatics are just crazy, prosperity gospel. And they throw out all these stupid, you know, little it's at them. You know what I'm saying? But then Pentecostals do the same thing the other way. Oh, that's one of those dead churches. Hey. The thing we got to do is we got to stop, you know, boxing everybody in. You know, if you wave the banner of Jesus Christ, you're on our team. And we're down with it. If you don't speak in tongues, it'd be cool if you did. If you do speak in tongues, you know, that, that's awesome too. But we're not going to sit here and get like, like we're not going to have gang warfare in the kingdom. That's the world, you know. Even when I say it like this, it's so easy. The minute it is said, where, where it struggles is when you're sitting at a table with somebody and, and you can't have the conversation. Like I got an uncle. He's a Baptist, uh, Southern Baptist pastor. And, and 
I went to school in the town that, that he lived in. I went to college in the town that he lived in. So we had lunch every Friday at a place called Navroski's. And it was just a, a, let me tell you something about East Texas, y'all. East Texas is almost Louisiana. It's just not, praise God. <laughs> but we got their food. We got, like a lot of Louisiana people, you know, they realized that this side of the river is just a little bit better. So they would move over, but they would bring their food. And man, these places would just be so good. They had this one thing called, I don't know if you ever had this, boudin balls. Huh. All right, I'm back. <laughs> I was right back in that chair. We would sit there, and, and so he grew up, uh, and he was a uh, uh, Southern Baptist, and he's a pastor. He's, he's got a master's degree in, in uh, 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 counseling, and just he's phenomenal, brilliant. And he knew, he knew I was a crazy, radical, charismatic. And I knew that he was uh, uh, Southern Baptist. So we did our best to focus on what we agreed on. And oftentimes we would talk about what maybe we possibly might not agree on, but it was a discussion under the banner of Jesus Christ. It was sitting in the shade, the shadow of his wings. It wasn't, let me tell you why you're wrong. It was, can we talk? And I love, I mean, those are some of the most uh, memorable times in my life. In my college uh, life is whenever he would share those things with me and we would just talk and have a, have a great time. And so I, my, I, I find it challenging. And, and I, you know, you got to understand we're, we're decades into this thing now as far as the, the church as a whole in America that literally what happens is, is we've built these, these walls and these, these, we've drawn these territorial lines, you know, and, and uh, somebody's just got to love people and point them to Christ. And I think that's, you know, that's what he's called us to do. That answer your question, okay? Can we give God a hand of praise for another great question? Any other questions? Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. That's not a question, though, John. <laughs> All right, a couple more, maybe. So are you going to open up a seminary school for us to sign up and learn you know, I tell you what, the Lord's had it on my heart, a, a Bible school. And, and I, uh, you know, so we'll just see, we'll just see what happens. You know, God's really adding a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of goals. You know, you know I, don't, I don't think in years. I don't even think in weeks. I think in decades. So we're almost to one decade. Our church is eight years old. And uh, I'm going to die at 120 years old, very healthy when I do. And so that means I'll turn 40 this year. That means I have eight decades left. Most people, uh, they underestimate what they can do in three years, and they overestimate what they can do in one. And so then you get all de, not necessarily depressed, but you get derailed if what you were hoping you could accomplish in a short amount of time doesn't happen, when the reality is if you'll just keep pressing towards the mark for the prize. And the, the truth is the prize is not... A title, it's not uh, a thing, it's not a ministry. The prize is to be used by God. So when he said the high calling, that's what he's talking about, just to be used by him. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to have a a Bible school at some point, and, you know, our new building's going to have some great uh, classrooms upstairs, so maybe we can, you know, add something like that to to the equation. Because really what I want is I want to send people out of here. 
you know? I mean, we're going we're gonna to take this county, all right? I need you to go take another one. I need somebody to rise up, somebody that's got that fire in them that says, well, I, I want you so full of God I could kick you out of a helicopter in any town and I'd know you'd win it. That's what I want. That's what, that's what I want for my children. You know, they're going to serve God all the days of their life. They're going to serve God in some way, uh, shape, form, alongside me, with me, you know, as, as, long as, I'm, as long as I'm here. But also, I want them to know that you need to be parachute ready. You need, wherever you are, uh, in, in, the Bible says be ready in season and out of season. And so, uh, yeah, I'd love to have, I'd love to have a, a, a Bible school that, that kind of goes into, you know, a little bit more. Because it's challenging, you know, on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night to just go as, as deep and, and, and whatnot. And then, you know, you never know if you're leaving a question unanswered. So, anyway, I don't know if that was a question either. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, give her a hand for... Wonderful. Any other questions? That's wonderful. Let's all stand to our feet. If you didn't get something out of tonight, I don't know what to say to you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.